Let us go to the word, John 11, 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And everyone says, amen. One more passage, Philippians 3, 7 to 14. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. God is the God of hope. 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 Romans fifteen thirteen says he's the God of hope. For he is the God of hope. He gives eternal life. Um, which was promised before the beginning of time. So Titus 1, 2 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Uh, as we learned last week about the purpose of life being what? eternal life the purpose of, purpose of life is eternal life and that eternal life was planned and promised not just yesterday or even 2000 years ago but actually before the beginning of time as in in the beginning in eternity and that's what makes him the god of hope in addition he gives the resurrection to life as we've been reading about resurrection here gives the resurrection of life resurrection to life to those who put their hope in him. For he promises to return. He promised to appear a second time. Hebrews 9.28. He will appear a second time. How many of you believe that Jesus, Yeshua, is going to return? That he's going to appear a second time. Amen? But when he comes, he will not be put to shame and, 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 and be treated as a sinner to be crucified again. No, never again. He is instead coming in all glory to not put to shame those who have hope in him as the God of hope. He will give to them the crown of glory, the crown of life, i.e. the resurrection to life. Amen. So faith means to know the hope to which we have been called. The hope to which one has been called. 1 Peter 1.3 says that hope is called a living hope. A living hope. So living hope, that is the hope to which we have been called. Ephesians 1.18, therefore to put hope in God, the God of hope. How many of you have your hope set on God? You have hope in God who is the God of hope. Amen. Then you have to live your life according to this faith, according to what you have said, amen, to 
And that's your faith life, yours and mine, faith life, Christian life, spiritual life, what we ought to be living every single day, just like we live in the physical body. The spiritual life we need to live in this world, in this life, is to, uh, as Paul reminds us here in Philippians that uh, we read in chapter 3, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So what, what is behind is and what has passed. Instead, straining toward what is ahead and that is what has been promised us that is the upward the heavenward call by the lord when he comes back to resurrect to life so that's what the christian life is about to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead amen yeah when you ask um people who are older aging Elderly or grandmas and grandpas, maybe for some of you it's great-grandma or great-grandpa. Uh, you ask them what they wish for. As people talk about the wish for the new year, you could call it the new year resolution. But what, are you, what do you wish for? What do you dream for? What do you, what do you have as your hope? Um, as people who are aging and they know that their time on earth uh, in their body is not um, much. Um, and therefore they will say things like, I would like to leave. I would like to die in no, with no pain. A lot of people say that, right? With no pain and not away from home, but in their own bed. A lot of people say that, right? So to um, imagine, you know, dying or, you know, facing the end of life um, away from home, it's, uh, it's almost like curse. The, the blessing in the old culture was to be in your own setting, in your own bed, and go in your sleep. But then again, who doesn't want that? I mean, it's so unrealistic, right? But that's why it's a wish. But when you ask a younger person, they're not going to say that. They're going to be like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. They have so many things they want, right? Because they're healthier. They're stronger. They're assuming and expecting to live for a while. So they have a lot of um, things to do. But for general people in the new year, people kind of recount on what the past year was about. New year, turn turn a leaf over and start over and clean slate uh, and new beginning. So people have their own resolutions like, you know, quit drinking, quit smoking, clean up, you know, and then do this and this and that. Um, get healthy, go to the gym. So, you know, all the commercials about exercise and, and gym membership for three months is free, you know, no down payment, blah, blah, blah. And you go and you sign up and the gym is like crowded, like shopping mall, like Black Friday. It's like, what is going on? They don't, they're like, what? they don't know what they're doing. Like, where do I go? What are these things? Yeah. What are these things? Like, good luck. Good luck. Um, and, and, and it's, it's sad because those people, not all those people stay around. And everyone who the regular gym goers like, yeah, just give a couple of weeks. They're all gone. It's like, oh, okay. So they're all gone. So they're on a tour, like on a tour. Hmm. This is what exercise looks like. Hmm. I'm going to go home. Yeah. Uh, and they try, they try. So out of all those people, I don't, I'm sure there are some studies on how many people stick with it. Um, but, uh, it's hard that, um, that people find it challenging and they give up rather quickly. So there is purpose, like I'm going to be healthy and, and the goal would be go to the gym three times a week or something like that, right? And each time I go, I don't just go for the sauna. <laughs> Some people just go to the gym for the little jacuzzi pool. And then like, what have you done? I don't know. Just sit around and say hello to people and then go home. <laughs> oh my Lord. Okay. So people say they go to the, they will go to the gym and actually sweat. Yeah. They'll do something if they get trained and they have these like sort of regimen. So, and they have some specific goal. They, they set in order for them to attain their purpose. So there's a distinction between purpose and goal, even though that may seem similar. Because another word for goal would be like mark, like benchmark. Or business people talk about benchmarking, right? 
So purpose will be um, something that's kind of abstract. It's an ultimately reaching something that's abstract. Um, and here, what do we say the purpose of life is? Eternal life. Abstract? Yeah, kind of. Because it's like we, we don't know the concept. We don't know what that's like. We only know this life. So eternal life is something that's just difficult to grasp. So we need to set a mark, goal, to attain in order for us to achieve that purpose. Um, so uh, goal would be, uh, in comparison to purpose, something specific, something practical to mark, to attain. So it has to be attainable in reality. So, you know, you can set a lot of things as your goal for the new year, 2024. I sure hope it's not like, in the new year, 2024, I shall fly. Because I hate to pop that bubble, but you're not going to fly. So that's not going to work, right? Um, but if you say something like, as a student, you know, uh, my goal is to be a good student. Or my purpose is, to, I'm going to study and have the purpose is to be a good student. Or the purpose is to uh, go to, um, I'm in high school and I'm going to um, go to sec- uh, higher ed, you know, go to college. Then the student must set a goal of, um, I shall sleep only two hours a night. Anyone try that? <laughs> How long does that last? Next day, <laughs> you're in and out. Oh my God, you're in days. Yeah. Um, so that may be unrealistic, but I'm exaggerating. But somebody can mark and say, I'm going to cut down my napping time or chatting time or social media and I'm going to focus and study. So they have um, that specific goal. A businessman can be saying that I'm going to be um, a successful businessman, uh, uh, I'm going to be a millionaire. Uh, and then they can then set a benchmark or looking around people who have the similar business and similar, um, you know, market or in field, and they will uh, set a goal of making certain amount of money as profit for the year. So that is attainable, that is visible, that's practical. Um, athletes, the same. So they can say, I want to be a successful, the fastest runner, fastest swimmer, or the highest jumper, and so on. Uh, and the purpose of all this training is to make it to the Olympics, they can say. Uh, but for that, they would have to go through training every single day. And they have to go through this regimen of um, diet and lifestyle. Everything is dictated for that purpose and with um, very specific um, goal that they set. So I think it's more like Navy SEAL lingo, but like hell week. They have something called hell week or some training has a hell day. Hell, you know, so because it's like hell. It's so difficult, so rigorous. Um, perhaps the, any athletic training um, may not be called that, but it, it is. I mean, it's just going through painful process. You don't want to get up early in the morning, but you still have to um, in order for you to be the best player, best, um, you know, shooter, I don't know, best uh, basketball players. I'm going to uh, mess up the lingo, but um, I was looking up like the, the hardest working N- NBA uh, players of recent history. Um, this is a whole ranking thing, but, um, you know, Michael Jordan is this sort of, uh, like the God of, uh, of basketball, you know, um, games. But, um, when you have, when you see these athletes, they're physically built in ways to give them advantage, right? So they talk about the wingspan, like that whole, that famous shot of him dunking, like it's just the spread is, I mean, the arms are like, it would be like twice my size is from arm to arm is like twice my height. Um, but so he's got that advantage, but, and. Not only that, he has a, like extraordinary talent. But then when you look at uh, other aspects, like you can't just have the physics and the talent. What do you need? You need to work. You need the grit, right? So you have to have a work ethic and go through training and practice every single day. So when you go through all these rankings, um, number one guy, guy who ranked uh, as the hardest working uh, NBA player, you can guess, 
Kobe Bryant, apparently. So I said, who made that? But I, I don't know. Maybe he said, I'm the hardest working guy. But um, I think maybe the people have seen and witnessed to agree. Um, but, I mean, there's like Ray Allen and all these other guys who are very disciplined. You can see their forms and the way they shoot and especially free throws. It's just like the way they're able to make a basket, it's not because they were just showing off. Hey, you guys, look what I can do. Uh, but it's like this tireless work day in and day out. And Kobe Bryant is said to have like scored a 50 summer point game the night before. But 9 o'clock in the morning next day, he's already shooting basket. He's running around the court. So it's like endless um, training to get better at what you're doing. So the athletics is like that. You know, it's like uh, when you're learning something new, they start from the very basic and repeating over and over again. So I was telling you about the swim um, class that I, I took some years ago. It's just like everything. It's just starting from the kicking to the head position to the arm coming up. And you have to do this. It's like playing the piano. Like you have to do basic training um, part by part so that you master it. You hone the skills so that when time comes to compete, then you can perform. So it doesn't show up from nowhere. Like we don't see the behind the scene hard work, but they have set, they know what the purpose is and they've set specific goal. Like I'm going to go to this competition or this, um, you know, championship game and I'm going to win. I'm going to be the best player on my team. I'm going to take my team to championship more than once, but five times, for example. Right. So I'm going to do that. Uh, for that, every single day I have to work. Um, and musicians the same way. So um, for uh, all kinds of musicians, not, not just classical, but I just recently read an article about this uh, woman um, who is a star violinist, Hilary Hahn. I don't know if you know, but um, she was a child prodigy. And my friend who was also from school, who was a very good uh, violinist, um, she went to Peabody, um, graduate. So, uh, and I remember she said when I was in grad school, she said, I have free tickets to this child prodigy, Hilary Hahn in Lincoln uh, center so let's go see so i did go see and she was a teenager and man i'm in that hall of course every everyone does sound great but not not just anyone it, it was impressive a child praying on uh, on the stage but fast forward today she is like in her mid-40s and she's also known on social media because she's young enough to use social media and use the hashtag uh 100 uh, days of practice so what her goal is to say, uh, is to make the message you don't have to be a professional you whether whoever you are professional and amateur what is what needs to be done is practice, and she shows how she practices like really and it 's not glamorous it 's not glorious it 's just everyday drill everyday drill I mean she still sounds amazing, but you know going take measure by measure and doing the scales, doing the arpeggios, and working on the you know the difficult part and repeating a hundred times over and over again it 's the stuff that you don 't see as viewers or spectators, but when they come on the stage when they come onto the basketball court or football field, you see their best because behind it they 're working very hard every single day to attain that goal. So some do make it and some do become successful. But what about the rest? Didn't they work hard? Of course they worked hard. You know, not ev- but not everyone becomes Kobe. Not everyone becomes Hillary Hahn. Right? Only just one in I don't know what the um, ratio is. But very few make it to top. And the rest, maybe they give up or they fail or whatever. So in the world, we can make all kinds of um, goals. But realistically, it's very challenging. Um, and especially if it's not attainable. Now, the Bible shows us the purpose of the life uh, that we need to have, purpose of my life, is eternal life. And in order for me to um, achieve that purpose, the Bible shows us to make Jesus, make Yeshua the goal of my life. Amen? So if you remember in John five thirty nine, the reason, the reason why we need to read the Bible, study the Bible, is for what? 
to etern- for eternal life. And the Bible is written about who? Yeshua. So remember that, right? The equation. The Bible, eternal life, Yeshua. So the purpose is eternal life. The goal is Yeshua. To become like him, to be like him. Amen? Yeah. So God made us, therefore, not of the flesh, but the spirit. I see new faces. So let's quickly go to Genesis 2, 7. Help your new friend, new neighbor. Genesis 2, 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Once again, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. So humans... Initially, it's just flesh, flesh that's made up of dust of the ground that lives one life. We don't know for how long, but it's finite. After that, it returns to dust. It's made on earth. It returns to earth. But there's another part of man, and this is the ancestor of mankind, all mankind today. And his name is Adam, and he's made dual. Uh, he, he's made up of dual beings. First, of, of the flesh body, dust body. But the spirit is inside. It came from God. So when God breathed into him his breath, which is spirit, man became spirit. And because he comes from, the spirit comes from God, it must return to God. Once again, what comes from where? No, first, let's start from outside. The body is made up of dust. After it dies, it must go back to spirit. Where does it come from? And it must return to then? But problem happened in the Garden of Eden. That sounds like paradise on earth. Because there was um, the serpent, the devil, the enemy of God, who deceived um, Adam to take the fruit uh, through the woman Eve and took the forbidden fruit, which was actually about the command of God, not the fruit itself. So when he took the fruit, it's called sin. He disobeyed the command of God. And instead of uh, returning to God at the end of um, his life, when the spirit and the flesh divide, the spirit goes, must go back to God. Flesh goes back to the ground. Because of sin, the price of sin had entered the spirit that caused it to die. So the price of sin is death for the spirit. What is the price of sin? Quickly go to Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the whole world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sin even though adam sinned because we have all inherited his spirit we are one in the eyes of god how many adam how many living beings are there in the world one one adam <gasps> but what do you mean we are so many in here and there are about eight billion people living on our did i say it right eight it is right yeah it used to be i feel so old we used to say seven and before there was six now it's eight. Oh my goodness okay so so many people living on earth but there is only one spirit of man called Adam. That's right. So this man lived 6, 000, about 6,000, close to seven, I guess, thousands of years ago on earth. But from him came all spirit. But when he sinned, that spirit was passed down. Sin with that spirit. Now this sin, is, sin caused the spirit to die. And the end result is instead of returning to God, the spirit will then enter the second, be thrown into the second death. What kind of death? Second death. Because the first death is the flesh death. The spirit will then enter or be thrown into spiritual death, which is referred to as a second death, which is in the eternal fire of hell. Matthew 25, 41. Revelation 26 talks about the second death. Again, what does second death mean? Why is it referred to as that? It's because the pains of death, the fear of death, 
will be experienced forever with no end. That's what second death is. And that became the destiny for all mankind because of sin, because of the fact that because of sin, spirit of man cannot go back to God. But because God is the God of hope and he intended to give eternal life that he planned from before time in the beginning, he began his work by calling on men to have faith in him, to follow him. Um, and he began by calling on Abraham. Certainly he was named Abram initially, get, changed to Abraham as he becomes the father of many nations. Uh, and he was given the blessing of a long uh, life as a result of following God's command. And at the end of that long life, Genesis fifteen fifteen, God said to him, however, at the end of that long life, because it doesn't mean you're going to live forever in the body. I never made the body to last forever. It's going to die. But at the end of that, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. So good old age. So lived a hundred some odd years. And at the end of that, you will be buried. Because that's your reality. You cannot live forever, even if you're blessed. And his descendant... Um, Isaac, and from Isaac came uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Now it's through Jacob, the covenant uh, continues. And uh, Jacob, uh, in Genesis 50, uh, when he finally, because of famine in the land, and he and his 70 members of family go to Egypt, right? Because the, one of the, you, you guys passed there, right? Right? Genesis 50, it's the first book of the Bible. Okay, so... Um, I, you're like, yep, done that, been there. I know, I, I understand. Say amen, yeah? Okay, so I, I shouldn't even preach this part. Okay, so Jacob said as he was dying, do not let me bury, uh, do, not be, do not let me um, be buried, do not bury me here, but take my remains to uh, my ancestors' land, which is land of Canaan. So take me there, take my remains there. And also, uh, he's, he said to Joseph, and Joseph also, who had been living in Egypt for most of his life, uh, at the end of that, he had asked his children to um, take his remains to join the ancestors. So the way the people of Israel understood was to go back to where their ancestors are buried. That was their goal. Like that was their mark. So end of the blessed long life, you, you die. But the blessing will be that you join your ancestors in the burial uh, ground. So coming from there were the people of Israel by Moses. Um, they were led out of their slavery of 400 some years in Egypt. Uh, this is called the Exodus. And, uh, and they were uh, brought out in order for them to return to the land that was promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they followed Moses uh, into the Red Sea and they came out and in the desert they journeyed for 40 years. There they followed the pillar uh, of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire by the night. So how many people were there? Hundreds of thousands. Actually, you add uh, to the males, uh, young and, uh, I mean, the the elders and and women and children, you have about 2 million people. So you couldn't see the, the leader ahead. So you would have to have this massive thing that is visible to everyone and it was the pillar uh, the pillars or a pillar of cloud a pillar of fire uh, and they were able to see that from far and wherever the pillar went um, they followed um, and then uh, in Exodus 25 God commanded them to build a sanctuary starting with the ark the ark of co- the covenant and wherever the ark went with the priest carrying the ark they would they would um, follow. But they were now organized, more organized by their tribes, almost like an army. So they will follow in ranks. Uh, and um, the ark, with the ark, the sanctuary was made, the t- tent of meeting. And whenever it traveled, whenever they travel, uh, it was the ark going ahead of them. And whenever they stopped, 
the arcs was beca- it was because the arc stopped. And w- whenever they camped in a, in a site or an area, uh, the ark, therefore the tent of meeting was set in their midst. How many tribes of Israel? What? Twelve. That's right, twelve. And the ground of the tent of meeting is four. It has four sides. So how many tribes on each side of the four? Oh, wow, good. Math- mathematicians, and yeah, genius. All right. So... Three on each side of the, um, of the tent of meeting, they were camped a certain distance. So they would be able to see from far, that's our goal. That's our mark. So wherever it goes, I follow. Wherever it goes, I follow. Wherever it stops, I stop. So their life was about following, actually, the name of Jehovah, right? Because the name was inside the tent. So that was their mark. That was their goal, like signposts. That was um, what guided them, what directed them. They were given the law to obey, and uh, they, in, although they initially agreed and tried to obey, as they settled in the promised land, they started to live like the Gentile, the godless people around them, and they um, uh, rebelled against God. Certainly, that rebellion started in the desert where people grumbled, and only two out of two million people survived that. Uh, only a new generation uh, with the two people entered the promised land, and they became... Um, Lost. They uh, they became lost as in without a goal. They didn't. They lost their goal. They lost their direction. As a result, Ecclesiastes six three says they would not receive proper burial. So again, remember their Jewish faith is like live, blessing is living a long life and then be buried with their ancestor. That's the, how they understood blessing, and they understood as their life goal. But because they rebelled against God, disobeyed God, they were cursed. And that means not having burial, not having direction. But still, to this day, um, the Jewish people, I don't mean like the secular uh, Jewish people, but religious, like even ultra-religious people, um, they live around the world, everywhere. So they're called diaspora. But their dream, their hope, yes, to live a long life and be blessed and, and all of that in this life. But once they're dead, they long to have their remains be taken to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem... Yes, it's like the hotbed, right, the, the place where the war is happening right now uh, in, that, in, in that region, Gaza. But um, Israel, uh, Jerusalem, is where all for generations, for thousands of years, if you think about it, people have been taken, their remains, their bodies been taken to be buried. So I think initially maybe they went like side by side, but then they started stacking up, and then they started going vertically the coffin. So the entire um, city of Jerusalem, there's a big book called The Biography of uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, it's a really big, thick book. Um, very interesting book. Um, it talks about how the whole area of Jerusalem has become cemetery, like a public um, you know, burial ground for the Jewish people who have hope of the coming of the Messiah. So why would they do that? They think that if they are uh, buried near Jerusalem, closest to Jerusalem, the Temple Mount especially, that when the Messiah comes, they will be the first to rise. But in their understanding, it's all about the physical body. The physical body will rise, the physical body will be blessed, and that they will um, have life as a result of Messiah. So Jerusalem, where the name of Jehovah, was the mark, the direction, the goal of the Jewish life. Therefore, when a man claiming to be sent by God, coming in the name of Yeshua, standing before the temple of Jerusalem, what did he say that made these people upset? Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in how many days? Three days. So what he's saying is, 
He's going to die. He's referring to the temple of his body, not the building. But he's saying, through my death and my resurrection, I'm going to raise not in the name of Jehovah, that is the name of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, but in the Father's name, John 5, 43, the Father's name of Yeshua, he will raise not the body of, the, of flesh, of dust, that's going to die, but the body of the spirit he will raise to life. That's what he said when he said, destroy it, and I'll raise it again in three days. Do you believe that? He was prophesying of his own death and his what? Resurrection. He is saying that I didn't come to give you a long life, as Deuteronomy 30, 20 says, and all the promises of Moses, right? It's like, obey, you'll live a long life. Obey and give tithe and you'll live a long life. And you'll be blessed going in and out, you'll live a long life, right? Because dying young was considered curse under the law. Under the law, long life, a good life, good long life, at the end of which you are buried with your ancestor, was blessing for the people of Israel in the Old Testament. But here is Yeshua saying, no more. That those days are over. I'm going to give you life that is greater than the life, the breath of the body that is given in the spiritual body. And then you will enter eternal life to live eternally with God. Hallelujah. It is not for the body to die and come back to life. That body, even if it comes back to life, and it has for people, yes. Once in a while it happens. But at the end of that, it dies. It never comes back. So nobody comes back from the dead to never die again. Because the body cannot do that. God never intended that for the body. So who is Jesus, Yeshua, that he can do that? So let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the Word was with God in the beginning. So that beginning is when? Not the beginning of time, as in Genesis 1.1, but this is before that, even. Before, right? Eternity has no point to say beginning and end. Eternity has no time at all. That's what this beginning is. God who always is. Who was and is and is to come, because he always is. Do you believe that about God? And the word was with him. And it says in verse 3, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Who are we talking about still? Him. Through him, without him, nothing has been, this is the word, whole logos. And verse four says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Who are we talking about still? The word. So in the word was life, and in Greek that is, hey, zoe, and that life was the light of men. And that word, when it was time, in verse 14 says, the word became and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Who came from where? From the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. Say with me. The Word became became man. man. God came as man. That's right. So the one who has life in him, the life that does not spoil or perish or, or fade away, the life that does not have end or beginning, that life hidden in the flesh came to the world. And that flesh, flesh is not of dust. But what is, the con- what is the content? What is the makeup of his flesh? Smart. It's the word. What is his flesh made of? I know some of you are like, well, I'm so confused. No, it's clear. The word became flesh. So his flesh is made up of the word, which is spirit. 
inside of him was life that no one knew about. But that's what he's saying. I'm going to die. And after my death, I will resurrect. And through my resurrection, I will reveal this life and give this life. And I will become that goal, the attainable goal for all mankind. Hallelujah. Remember how I started, right? The Bible shows us to make Yeshua the goal of my life. And that's why he had said, I am the resurrection and the life. What did he say? No one who believes in me will, no one who, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing me will never die. Do you believe that? We read that in the beginning, right? So he is saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. In John uh, 14, 6, it says, I am the way and truth and the life. But here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So why in that order? Only through his death, right? Once he dies, then he will resurrect, right? So three days he resurrected after his death. And after he resurrects, then the life in him, the fact that he is the life, the life that does not spoil, that does not fade away, that is, that has no beginning or end, but that is always beautiful and wonderful forever will be revealed. Hallelujah. So, He came, and that's why he referred to himself as the son of man. Meaning, even though he is God who knows no death, for he is eternal God, he became finite in in the fact that he came into the world, the finite world. And finite in the finite body, 100% God became 100% man in order for him to die. Only after his death, he would resurrect. So, for him to resurrect and reveal that he's life and give that life, and allow spirit to also come to life, he had to die. That's why he became flesh, came as man. Do you understand that? Men can never become like God. And we shouldn't try to. Because that's what Satan did, right? Satan said, I will be like God. And then he was kicked out, now contained in Hades, to, to be thrown into the fire later on. So we don't try to become like God, but rather, God came as man came and became the son of man in order for us to make him the attainable goal of my life. Do you understand? Yes? And that is to say, not, oh, I want to have the heart of Jesus. He loved the poor and he loved the, uh, the widows and the orphans and the children. Come ye all little children and feeding the hungry and, and healing. So he had a good heart, loving heart. Maybe I want his power. All those things are important, but that's not why he came and that's not why he died. It is for for him to die, but resurrect to life after and making that go for all who believe in him. Amen. So when he said these words in John eleven twenty five, 25, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives by believing in him will never die. He is saying in front of um, Lazarus tomb and he does raise him back to life. This man who had been dead for days. So the body, as soon as the breath is uh, the body stops breathing, stops, you know, just all the organs just shut down at once. Um, what happens is the body releases all the fluids and it comes out of all the life. Like within matters of seconds and minutes, the body starts to spoil. Yeah. So um, when they are, for example, for organ donors, when they're harvesting, they call it harvest. Yes. It's a little bit like, ugh, but harvesting organs, the body has to be like fresh. It has to be like right away. And the, uh, the patient has to be ready to receive that. So timing matters because it has to stay alive because within 
seconds, it's going to spoil. That's how our body is, how weak our body is, right? Um, so when um, Jesus was standing in front of uh, Lazarus' tomb, that body had already been spoiling. It's been decaying. So that's why the sister said, oh, it's the bo- he's been dead for days and there's smell there. As Jesus said, remove the stone. And he's standing there and saying, Lazarus, come out. They couldn't believe that. So even to this day, even though we are living in very advanced um, civilization compared to, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago here in 2024, there is no technology, there is no way to bring back the dead. Yeah. But because Yeshua is the life, in him is life, and that he would reveal that he is the life, the everlasting life, the beautiful, wonderful, everlasting life through his death and resurrection, he showed through this miracle of raising the dead who had been dead for days. So he came out of the tomb showing to everybody that he's alive. But not only that, looking to Yeshua, oh my God, who is this man? So that uh, was performed to show that. And Yeshua also taught about resurrection. Let's go to John 5, 28 to 29. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So it says a time is coming when all who are in their graves, all, all, it's like to be highlighted, all. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So this is speaking of the life after uh, death. And it's talking about resurrection. Jesus is talking about resurrection. So he is saying all will rise. Not just Christians, not just uh, believers, but all will rise. All will rise. But how they rise is the question. If they have done what is good, uh, or as Acts 24, 15 says... There will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So those who are found to be righteous will rise to live. That's how we interpret what have done good means, righteous, right? Right with God, have done according to his way. They will rise to live. That's called the resurrection to life. What is it? That is the resurrection of the righteous. So two things, quickly, what is it? The resurrection to life is the resurrection of the righteous. Second type of resurrection is the resurrection to condemnation. Those who have done evil, those who, have, um, who are found to be the wicked will come out to resurrection called the resurrection to condemnation. What is what? The resurrection to life is to enter eternal life. The resurrection to condemnation is thrown, be thrown into where? Hell. Which one do we want? Quickly. The resurrection to life or the resurrection to condemnation? The resurrection to life. Amen. Yes. So resurrection is not an abstract thing like eternal life. Resurrection to be the attainable goal is actually concrete. Because it's about the spirit that we don't feel right now. I don't sense my spirit. I sense my flesh. Some of you are going, I'm hungry. I'm ready for that bagel. Yeah. So like the body, I'm hot, I'm cold. This is a physical body right now. But resurrection is what will allow the spirit to become the body to feel, for example, pain, fear, loneliness, darkness, hopelessness, or joy, gladness, life, peace, forever. It's one or the other. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-two. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown 
In dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also... So this is uh, what Paul writes in this entire chapter. I want you to go home and read that, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the entire thing, because it explains in great details about resurrection. So there are two types of bodies. One is called the natural body, and the second is called the spiritual body. So we have the natural body that we are very aware of right now. This body lives, whatever, time. And we, we are realizing it doesn't go in the way, in the order in which it came. Yeah? Just because you're a certain age doesn't mean you're not going to die. Anyone can go at any time. That's how vulnerable this body is, the natural body. But after the natural body dies, the spirit inside that we don't sense right now, through resurrection, will become the body. So that means it will sense pain, it will sense emotion. So senses and emotions will be attached to the body, the spirit, um, and that's the bodily resurrection. So whether you like it or not, this is what God placed in the principle of creation. Because at the beginning of the chapter, it says, if the dead are not raised, then Jesus has not been raised. So if dead, uh, if dead are not raised, that means if there is no resurrection of the dead, Jesus has not been raised. Meaning, the principle of resurrection had been placed in the beginning. The one who resurrected for the first time ever, even to this day, is Jesus, Yeshua. Do you understand? So the principle was there. So whether you like it or not, this is the principle. However, you do have a choice. You like choice? You like freedom? Okay. You know what your freedom is about? What your choice is about? Whether to resurrect to life or to? It's up to you. It's up to you. Yeah, we're going to try to guide you the right way as we're trying to live for that resurrection, which is to life. But no one's going to force you. No one can put a gun to your head and say, you better live or else. It's your choice. So it's every man's choice to which resurrection will will come out. And I sure hope that we make it the goal. That we all make it the goal of our life to resurrect to life. I shall come out to the resurrection to life. Amen. For in order for him to resurrect, then he had to go to his death. That's why after performing so many signs, when men came to arrest him, Yeshua did not perform any to defend himself or resist death. Instead, he went willingly, and he almost looked so helpless and weak. But as he breathed his last, he declared, it is finished. Because that was the moment he was obeying to death, submitting to the Father's command. As he said in John 12, 50, I know that, the Father, I know that his command leads to eternal life. So the command that he received from the Father is what he said in John 10, 17, 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. I lay it down. I sow my natural body to reap the spiritual body is what it says. But of course, his body is not natural body like ours. What is his body again? The word? It's the spirit. What is our body? It's flesh. Where does it come from? That's right. So whatever is done to your body, whatever diet you have, whatever disease or health you have, at the end of it, we all go back to dust. That's it. Made on earth, and it will perish on earth. With the earth. It will become part of earth. Came from earth, go back to earth. But he who came from heaven, though he is spirit, that he laid down his breath, his life, 
according to the Father's, according to the Father's command in order for him to take it up again. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive my Father. He did it willingly, looking ahead. For the joy set before him, Hebrews 12, 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. Yes, it is referring to the throne, but actually through initially with the resurrection to life. The joy would be that he will receive the crown, and that's referring to the resurrection to life in order for him to become that glorious body to never die again. Hallelujah. That happened as a result of him laying down his life willingly in submission to the Father's command. And by doing so, he condemned the creature, the angel who was supposed to humbly serve God. But he became proud and wanted to be like God and becomes the origin of sin. And by causing Adam to sin, he becomes the ruler of death, bringing on death for the spirits of all men. He was condemned once for all when Yeshua died on the cross and Through his torn flesh, Yeshua let out his blood. He sprinkled his blood, and his blood is referred to as his redeeming blood. It is for all the souls of men to receive and have a living hope. Hallelujah. What kind of hope? Time to wake up. Time to wake up. What kind of hope? If you're falling asleep, how are you going to receive this hope? Seriously. But people who are reading the Bible, I could scan the room and get sense of who are faithfully reading the Bible. Because you're all going like, yeah, I know this, I know this. Oh, get to that part. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there. I'm there. But those are all going, I haven't lifted up the cover yet. What? He sprinkled his redeeming blood. So in, in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you so that living hope is the blood of Yeshua because that blood is living it belongs to the living God the God of hope we have hope we are giving living hope because he was raised back to life he came back from the dead he resurrected hallelujah he is called and the first fruit of resurrection was he called Yeshua is called the first fruit of resurrection first corinthians 15 23 so the the principle of resurrection is set in uh, place but the one who if you will activated for the first time the one who cut the tape and started this process this experience is is yeshua since then no one has been risen either to live or to be condemned no resurrection has taken place doesn't mean that it won't it will when when will it when he comes back. So quickly, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn, Christ the first fruit, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So when he comes, do you believe that he is coming back? When he comes back, those who belong to him will then resurrect. We call that the first resurrection. The first fruit of resurrection is Yeshua. The first resurrection is for those who belong, who long, who live, who run the race for this goal of resurrecting to life. They will see his face first because there will be people who have not been living for that, who have not been running the race or have given up the race. Turn back, quit, slacked off, delay, whatever reason, whatever excuse, they will not come out to that first resurrection. But that is the resurrection to life that they will see his face. And that is how resurrection will go. So 
Do you believe that he resurrected? And that his tomb, therefore, occupied or not occupied? Empty or occupied? Empty. His empty tomb testify that his flesh is not of dust, but is spirit. Amen? So when the women went first to come go, go clean the body, as according to their tradition, um, after he died on the third day, the day after Sabbath in the morning, like today, earlier, although, they went and, and looked for the body to clean, and they realized the stone had rolled away. And the tomb was empty. Can you imagine? It's like, somebody stole the body. Right? Because that was rumored too. That's why they put the stone there and a guard there. You know, because they, th- they had heard this, this fellow saying that, I'm going to come back to life and, and all of that. So make sure that nobody's stealing and pretend like he came back to life, which they couldn't even imagine. But they saw with their eyes at the empty tomb. And then they saw the angel and saying, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is Risen, he is risen. Yeshua has resurrected. Hallelujah. His empty tomb testified his flesh is 100% spirit, 100% word, that he is the incarnate word, incarnate spirit. The same body that he lived in, that he died in, in that same body, he resurrected. That's why he said, touch my hands, touch my side. You can feel the scars. They did not disappear because I am the same body that I died in, that I resurrected. Although they couldn't recognize him. Right? There's a, a, a disciples walking with him to Emmaus and they're talking for a while. I'm like, were you guys clueless? I don't understand why they didn't understand. But they were talking and talking. They didn't know who he was until he opened their eyes. Because he was something that was different. Because he was glorified as, through his resurrection. But the body was the same. Now what about our resurrection? When we are resurrected, are we going to have the same body? The same face, the, the hair, the face, the, the height and the weight and... And the body problem, what about somebody who is like lame, who is crippled, or somebody who's missing an eye, like missing, missing an arm? What are they going to do when they are resurrected? Do they come back to that life? As Paul writes, resurrection is not like that. It doesn't come back to this natural. Even though we sow the natural body in order for us to reap the spiritual body, just because we're laying down this dishonorable, shameful body and all these physical things, what we are promised to reap is not that. It is a spirit inside that has now a living hope that is growing by receiving the blood of Yeshua by faith. It is growing and that will come out to the body to be a body through resurrection to life. Hallelujah. So if, let's say one body was about somebody die, a believer lives for this goal and lives, lives and runs and runs the race for this, to attain this goal. Uh, and, and, but then dies and next day Jesus comes back. Right. And then resurrection takes place. What happens to this person? Spirit comes out to the resurrection, but what about his body? Where's his body? Oh my God. Suddenly you're like, the cat got your tongue. You're like, huh, what? The body still stays in the tomb. Do you understand? The body does not, the dead body does not come back to life. It, it's got nothing to do with us. So think about how vain this life is. This life that we live, that we think is everything, looking in the mirror, me, me, I was like, today I look kind of bad. Today I look okay. Or what is this on my face right now? And today I don't feel so good. This whole body that we are constantly thinking about, trying to take care of, trying to feed and try to do this and this and that. The moment you breathe your last is gone forever. I've got nothing to do with body ever. Then you have to think about who am I? I'm a soul. I'm a soul who has received a new life. And that is the blood of Yeshua. A living hope. Say amen if this is you. 
He resurrected and he was finally taken up to heaven. Yeshua sat down on the throne. He's a lamb of God. The lamb of God who has marks of being slain and suffering and death. But in that same body he resurrected. And it is from that throne. In that throne he's glorified. And from that throne he sent the Holy Spirit in the name of Yeshua. And he did not come. The Holy Spirit did not come to the whole world. But he comes to the believers in the world. Believers are those who have received this living hope. The blood of Yeshua. And that once dead in sin has now come to life. How many of you have this experience that by believing, calling on the name of Yeshua, you have received a living help called the blood of Yeshua. Amen. That you are made alive because of the blood of Yeshua. Amen. Even if your body is dying, maybe of cancer or what kind of disease, and hearing the gospel for the first time right before some days remaining, some months remaining, and the very at the edge of your one's life, they receive the gospel. Now they are receiving new life in the spirit. Amen? Yes. So the Holy Spirit comes. That's why uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 11 says, for we who are alive, for we who are alive. So the Holy Spirit does not come to people who are dead. He does not come to people who have the spirit that are dead. Only those who have come alive in the spirit by receiving a living hope, the blood of Yeshua. And therefore, let the, the Holy Spirit lets them make Yeshua be the goal of their life. He lets us believers make Yeshua be the goal of my life. Amen? Specifically, what about Yeshua? About the resurrection in his death and his resurrection to be like him. Hallelujah. To live, to attain this new goal of life. Therefore, I must press on. Just like practicing the scale for the piano. I used to hate that. I used to hate, 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 hate. And then the micromanaging mother. Why are you stopping? And I was like, oh, I was like, look, look, look. Staring at the wall. Hey, why are you stopping? Nancy's laughing because you probably had the same experience too. Yes, it's like learning the scales. Hannah, and, oh my God, it was like, why this is so boring? But without just disciplinary practice of getting your fingers all just under, having the drill of going back and forth, back and forth, and doing all the all stuff, then you can play fun stuff. You can play uh, very beautiful pieces, but without the building blocks, you won't be able to get there. Just like drilling and just running all the basic skills. If you don't do that practice, you don't you don't make the, the, the winning touchdown. You don't make the, the, the three-point shot that wins the game you don't do any of that you're not there at all but you need to do everyday uh, practice everyday training in order for you to attain that goal and that's the same case even more for the goal of life that is resurrection to life amen Amen. it is not because it is not just for sometimes it is not when you feel like it and you don't feel like you don't do it it is not about what kind of title you have what you don't have because you're so you gotta do it you understand? Because you're so... Oh, some people say, oh, COJ is so tough. and They don't let me even go on vacation. Oh, my God. I make all this money. Why can't I go on this nice place everyone else is going? Look at Instagram. Everybody's hanging out there, but I, they don't let me. They don't let me? Is this COJ that's not letting you? Are you reading the same Bible? Because people are so self-centered and so worldly. And the churches are the same way these days. So that's why they're looking at that and comparing. Say, COJ is so extreme. Oh, my God. This is like, like, like a prison camp. Our model, our goal is who? Is who? Yeshua. Have you made Yeshua to be the goal of your life? So what complaint do you have? I get so tired. Believe me, after this I repent. So not loving, so impatient, so not merciful. What's wrong with me? I mourn, mourn. But let me say before I get there, which is, 
I have such low threshold for complainers. It's just like, what complaint do you have? You made your choice to make the resurrection to life be the goal of your life. You made eternal life to be the purpose of your life. With those same lips, how can you complain? Look in the mirror and tell yourself, ask yourself, why are you complaining? Who are you complaining to? I don't understand. Ah, this church is blah, blah, blah. Oh, the only thing they have to say is complain. I, I have no patience. I just feel like, I feel like a Hulk. Let me do this now. Repent tomorrow. I don't. Thank God I don't. Yeah, I don't. But still in my heart, when I run out of patience, I beat my chest and weep, weep, Lord. I'm the same. Because I'm a complainer, they're complaining. So it brings me to repentance. But the point is, you made your choice. The choice to resurrect is not your choice. That's there. But to which resurrection that you're going to come out and make it your goal and live for that, run towards that prize, is your choice. So the Christian who's made by the Holy Spirit has made this prize to be his goal. As Paul wrote, as we read before in Philippians 3. The prize of the upward call. The prize of the upward call. Upward call. What is upward call? He's calling from heaven. He's coming back from heaven. The third heaven, the spiritual heaven outside of the universe. And that day he will enter the second heaven, the universe, where we call home this great space. He will enter in, in this universe and he will call Rise, rise, rise. Those who have been making, those who have made resurrection to life, the goal of their life, and they have resisted temptations, and they have resisted complaining and resentment and regrets, and they did not look back, but they pressed on, forgetting what is behind, but straining forward, straining toward what is, what is ahead, what lies ahead for the prize that has been set before them. It is to those, and it is who, those names he will call to rise. Do you want your name to be called in that day? When the Lord appears a second time at the trumpet call, we want to be called up. How do we, how do we make sure that we are called up then? To forget what is behind. So what does that mean? To forget what is behind. It is about the past. Because of this flesh that I live in as the home for the spirit, the shell, if you will, the covering for the spirit for now. Because of the spirit, I got confused. I got tempted. I fell. Because of the flesh, I got lazy. Because of this flesh, I sinned. Because of this flesh, I have made many, many mistakes to disappoint God over and over and over again. But now that I have received the blood, I could only bury that in the past. Just as when we are baptized. That's why baptism is so important. It is experiencing the burial of the old self, as Romans 6 says. I bury my past. Uniting with him in his death. So when I come out, I have nothing to do with that past. It is buried underneath, covered by the blood of Yeshua, that living hope. Hallelujah. So even after being born again and having that blood, I still fall, don't I? I still make mistakes. Even if I'm not doing like this grandiose, ugly, wicked things. Deep inside, in my mind, in my heart, and in my words, I make mistakes all the time. Doing regretful things, thinking evil things. Only God knows. And I hate myself for that. 
that. I'm beating my chest and beating my body, mourning and repenting. All I can do is ask him to bury that with the path in the blood. And I cannot dwell on that, but instead, while I'm alive today, I have food that he provides with the called daily bread. And as I have made a mark, the signpost, the goal, the finish line, that is to resurrect to life when the Lord comes back. All I can do is keep on running, obeying the word, and follow to the end. Hallelujah. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verses 10 to 11, there Paul wrote. To become like him in his death. Doesn't mean necessarily that we go to the cross, unless that is our reality. But for the most of us today, in this life, in this world, in this place, no one is coming after to crucify us, the physical cross and physical death. Yet, we must become like him in his death. That means to take up our cross daily to follow him. And the cross means self-denial. What the flesh wants to do. So instead of arguing with anyone, with your leaders or even with me, like, what do I do? do? Look at the Bible. Please look at the Bible. Read the Bible. It is about eternal life and eternal life will be given for those who know Yeshua. Knowing mean is like not memorizing information about who Yeshua is, but to experience his death in order to experience resurrection like him. Death means death to myself. What my flesh wants to do. What my flesh wants to see and touch and hear and be. All of those things I need to put to death in order for me to come to life. The spirit. So yes, it's painful. It's painful. Practicing those scales and and, and drilling and running and jumping and and doing all the scales to be the fastest swimmer, the most skillful and the most fast, fastest. To be successful, you need to go have that grit and do that every single day because you have that goal that no one can touch, that no one can cause you to to not, not meet and you're going to break through any temptations and any obstacles to attain that. And that's why the Holy Spirit came. Amen. So somehow means at all costs. Somehow. Whatever it will cause me, I will get there. Amen. So whatever gets in the way, I will toss it away. What does that mean? That if my family is getting the way, I'm going to toss them away? Well, you can't take them to the garbage and then throw them away. You can't be a runaway and be like, I'm going to divorce you because you're getting in my way. That's not what we're saying. Your priority has to change. Your value system has to change. In the past, you lived to please your husband, your wife, your children, your mother, father, brother, sister, whatever it is. Please your boss and attain these. But now, my purpose is eternal life. And I'm going to have eternal life through this specific goal called the resurrection to life. And to attain that, if anyone gets in the way, I will toss away. I will dismiss. I will press on. Amen. So that's the Paul, that is, those are the words of Paul. Whatever was thought gain, now I count them as loss. So that's what change means. Like, have you changed? Has your goal changed? And first of all, do you have a goal in life? Yeah, old examples I gave before. Maybe some of you are hoping to go to the Olympics. Let me know. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think you'll be here if that was you. Maybe you wanted to be the best person and get promoted this year. I don't know. I mean, and to make more money. Or maybe, this year, I shall get married. Or I shall do this. I'll have this. I'll have that. Right. So if you have these goals. But now as a Christian, I have even more important that non-negotiable, 
non-compromising goal that is to resurrect to life. And even if it means that I am persecuted along the way, as Paul and, and so many apostle disciples and apostles followers were put into chains and their lives were at risk. And yes, certainly they gave up their life. They were burned to death. They were crucified, thrown into the arenas to be fighting beasts and be eaten by them, cut into pieces, burned alive, drowned and imprisoned for all life because of what they believed, because of making Yeshua to be the goal of their life, and that is to be like him in his death in order to resurrect to life like him. And that means we have to make Yeshua and goal and imitate him. And Yeshua being, yes, God, how can we be like him? So we look to men of faith, our ancestors of faith, like Paul. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As Pastor King reminded us, there's no time to be lazy. No time to be sad and no time to be lazy. Time is running out. This flesh is like a time bomb. We don't know when it's going to go off. But from the time that you were born, it's been ticking, 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 ticking. The question is, how much time do I have left? And what am I going to do with the time remaining? The remaining time. (gasps) Oh my God, I only have a year left. Oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. At the end of that, what? It's gone. It's gone. As Yeshua gave the parable of the rich man, he worked so hard and his, he had a harvest and all the crops gathered. Next day he said, I'm going to enjoy that for myself and my family. Let me go to bed now. And that night, God takes him. Then where's all that going to go? Not with him. So to understand that this flesh that I have, the time that is ticking here, no matter how I try to preserve it, yes, you can help and stop eating Popeyes and go to the gym once in a while and it will help you, yes. So don't speed it up. Don't speed up that day at the end, but that you maintain it. But it is just to maintain. It's not going to stop. Time is running like water flowing. It's going and going and going. The question is, what am I doing with the time that's remaining in this body? So if I am living, making um, the eternal life, the purpose of my life, and making the goal of my life be the resurrection to life that is Yeshua, then I must no longer be lazy, but be diligent. Diligent. With diligence and patience, I must imitate those of faith. Amen. So if if you have made this to be your goal, then you have to get up in the morning, early in the morning. So you pray. You start your day in prayer. You end the day in prayer. Without praying, how are you going to have the power to live for this goal? So that's what we say. It's like people who don't pray, they're all fooling themselves, trying to fool us and fool themselves. Hebrews 6, 12 says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith, patience, inherit what has been promised. Paul, is, Paul writes there in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 to 12, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And he writes in 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As our whole church with the passing of our sister, Une Park, it's been a shock. I mean, beloved family, because, namely, because they were young. She's, she was very young, 41. And unexpectedly had what they call massive heart attack. So, it has given us this shock and saying, oh my God, that could be any of us. Like, 41? And the child just turned four? Young family? Very dedicated? But as Pastor Ken reminded us, God's schedule is different than what I have as my schedule. Yeah. God has his own schedule. That train runs according to his schedule. It's not what I think is going to happen, how I expect things to go. So the body can go anytime. And people who are aging can experience this, or the body just breaking down part by part. Like the stuff that used to not hurt, you suddenly start hurting. The joints start aching, they start to talk to you. Before they didn't talk to you. But you start to feel like, oh, that's where my knee is. Oh, that's where my elbow is. Why am I feeling my elbow? Because it's painful. Why? Because I have some joint issues because I'm getting old. It's the beginning. I've been aging, but I'm beginning to realize that I'm aging. And then it just speeds up, or at least feels like it. So to think that this life is only one life, and at the end of it, we're gone. That itself is very sad. But we have learned that we are souls. Souls meaning there's life after. And then there's heaven and hell. So at the end of this very short life, and at the end of it, it says, meaning, meaningless, meaningless. After all this, I'm, t- I'm gone. And then be thrown into hell. How devastating would that be? But by the grace of God, we have heard the great news of his grace. Though he knows no sin, God became sin for us so that we might become righteousness in him by receiving this new hope, a living hope through the blood of Yeshua. We have been washed of our sins and we have been born again as children of God. And now we have heard about eternal life that is to live like God with God where there is no spoiling, no perishing, no fading away. And through the church that we are taught how to live, making the resurrection to life be the goal of my life. Amen? Aren't you grateful for that? I want to soar up to heaven, be ready to fly up when the Lord comes back. But what pulls me back is my past. What I done, what I did, what they did to me and did to that. They said this to me. I didn't have that. All about this whole past and grudges and resentful. All of that is past. The word says, Bury your past in the blood of Yeshua. Forget and forget the past. Forget what is behind. But strain toward the heavenward call. Strain toward what lies ahead. And that is the promise of the crown of life. That is the resurrection to life when the Lord comes back. Amen. Therefore, I must put every effort to live my life set apart. Live this life pure. To be pure, as 1 John 3, 3 says, all who have the hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Pure means sin no more. Forget behind. Forget what is behind does not mean, oh, I don't have a consequence of what I did. Oh, well, I'm just going to live the past or the present and past. No, no, no. It means that you no longer live the past life. 
you no longer live the impure, unclean, wicked life. Now you have made Yeshua to be the goal of your life. You have made the resurrection to life to be the goal of your life. You must sin no more. Live a life that is set apart. Amen. And that seeking the Holy Spirit through prayer and obedience to the word. I do not lose the focus. Just like archers. They say those Olympians, you know, the professional archers. They practice shooting the arrow over and over and over again. That bullseye is so, so small, right? But for archer to make it every time, that bullseye has to be as large as the moon, the full moon. Can you imagine? In their eyes, all they see is the bullseye, as, as large as the full moon. Then they will make it. So if we have made that goal to be the goal of my life, this new goal, what I should see, every, the, morning, mo- the moment I wake up, throughout the day, certainly I have to take care of these things and these things and these things and that. But... Coming back to the point, never losing focus. Why do I need to be doing this? Why do I need to obey? Why do I need to say no to the flesh and say yes to the soul spirit and listen to the word that is being preached to the Holy Spirit through the preacher here in the church? Why do I need to go to the gathering? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to change? It's because of this mark called the resurrection to life. Change forsake. Change. Every day it's the same. That's why, that's why you don't become nothing. You need to resolve to change. New year has come. New opportunity has come. The word is giving you a chance. Live for the purpose of eternal life. Make resurrection to life. Make Yeshua to be like him in his death and his resurrection. Living this life set apart. Putting every effort with the church. Your goal. The goal of your life that is attainable. And he will not fail. He will help you. He will help us. Amen. My mother gave birth to my body and I had no choice that I was going to be born this female, Korean, and this and this and that, all this background. I had no choice. One day I woke up and I am who I am. But now I have a choice to how my spiritual body is going to be. And it will depend on what I do with the talent I'm given right now. It all depends on how I spend my time for my soul. Yeah, it's not about what title or position you have. It's about you, you being a soul and investing your time of your flesh for your soul. That's the question you should be asking. How much time do I have left? And what meaningful life can I, meaningful work can I do in this life? That is to live for attaining this goal of life so that I may enter eternal life. Me and my loved ones and the souls who have been given to me. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Have you made Eternal life to be the purpose of your life. Are you trying? Add on to that the attainable goal of resurrection to life. Fix your eyes on that bullseye, that mark. And do not take your eyes off of the mark. Do not see other things like the world, the friends of the world, the co-workers of the world, the families of the world. Who are saying worldly things that are pulling you away, doubting and questioning. Fix your eyes on the mark. The mark is to see his face in the resurrected glorious body like that of his. To get there is going to take grit, effort, discipline, diligence, patience, daily fight, daily training. That's why the Holy Spirit will help us. The church is here to, to put strength and effort together to encourage us. Help me, help me to press on. Put 